0: Turn on the radio. The radio. turn on the radio, my homie got a new show and it's time to play it though, I hope you got in tune, he talking he bigger talking business, bigger he make business. a lot of moves, well, welcome to the Startup Showcase, I'm your host I'm saying, Scott Catoon, I'm on, streaming live wait on, wait on, on my own Facebook my page because uh because I had time to do that today, I don't know, I was just like bumping around trying to avoid the Eli's Cheesecake in the kitchen and uh you know, did you get any cheesecake? I did not but Jen was telling me all about it. So it I smells amazing. It. I looked at it. It's a, it's nut-free so the wife can have some. She said no, she's smart too. I guess we're just going to settle for Shamrock shakes later. <laughs> uh you can't not. I mean it's it's St. Patrick's Day the rivers flowing green which is good for the good for everyone, right? Is it? No, it's not actually. It's it's not good for the environment. It's probably not good for anybody, but um the drinks are flowing and uh I'm drinking coffee, no booze, so uh I hope to change that soon. Yeah, not yet. Not, well, Not until your it's mother's warm. dinner. Yeah, for mother's, birthday. mother, lovely mother. I'm going to have drinks before dinner, so uh, don't judge. All right, we got a great show, as I mentioned. Uh, we're going to jump right into the startup showcase, which I feel like we should do more often. We should just jump right to the showcase. I mean, what's all the talk about anyway? Uh, Sam Park, CEO of Sapien Industries, just to give you a plug here, he's going to tell us about the company. It's using machine learning to eliminate energy waste. Um, we're using green dye to make a uh, different kind of environmental waste. He's trying to solve energy waste problems. Here's the kicker: on Republic, you can go to Republic.co slash sapient. Uh, they've raised over three hundred and fifty six thousand dollars already, which is fourteen hundred percent of their uh, of their goal. Forty five days left to go. Uh, so I'm really excited actually to hear Sam's pitch because. That is while well, while well, a lot of companies raise a lot of money like that they don't raise it that fast and so there's got to be something here that that is is on the race. So uh, without further ado, Sam, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Scott, Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Um so we're going to make it quick. I know you got to jump on a flight. So here's what we're going to do. You I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have you I'm going to have you pitch uh, a 1-minute pitch of exactly what Sapient is does, how it works, etc. Uh, and then I want to pepper you with some questions and and see why you are uh, kicking butt right now.
1: Got it. Sweet. Cool. All right, go ahead. So- Yeah, so we're solving the problem that is about a third of the energy consumed by your average commercial building is completely invisible. Um, And that third is plug load, actually, the plug load of the building, or the energy that's consumed by all the devices plugged into electrical outlets. So we solve that problem by taking off-the-shelf smart outlets, actually, like the ones that you would put in your home, and we equip them with a high-power analytical dashboard for facilities managers and, and building owners that's capable, actually, of understanding the types of devices that are plugged in, using machine learning. Um, And with that information, we can actually automate efficient behaviors for the thousands of of devices in a building. And for our pricing, we adopted a -a hardware-as-a-service model that adopts – it involves a small one-time activation fee followed by an annual subscription fee, and it actually keeps overall costs of the system so low for our customers that we overcame an industry standard year, year year-and-a-half sales cycle for property tech with a sales cycle that today averages about about six weeks, um, so because of that, I think that's a big reason why we've gone from about five buildings in our sales pipeline to over a hundred thousand in the last few months.
0: Awesome. So, I, if I get this right, um, you know, there's this is sort of like IT management for energy. So, like, there's. A bunch of startups uh, in Chicago, Genuity is one that goes to mind, uh, as well as many others, Freshworks and others that are in the IT space, where they basically have a, a right. dashboard for people to manage the usage and what tools and what equipment and all that other kind of stuff. Um, but yours is focused on energy, which if you're in a big city like Chicago, you see the buildings that have that sort of green label as in that they're energy efficient. It's a. Ma- I mean, if you were just to look at all of the major buildings and developments right. across the globe, that ha- like just saving energy there has to make a gigantic impact on on the world from that standpoint. But then from a business standpoint, I think people forget that not only is the property manager and the owner have to pay a ton of money uh, for wasted right. energy, but they save a ton of money if the buildings are green. And even more, those expenses ultimately get passed through to the tenants. So. If you're looking for a space, being you know whether you're a big company or not, it really is advantageous if you know what you're doing. Am I right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, we've found pretty surprisingly, actually, we we thought that our conversations were going to be centered around how much are we going to reduce your energy bill, which we do a really good job of. We reduce plug load by about thirty percent just from turning off devices that should be off. Um, but that ends up only being a checkmark. Actually, in, in the conversation, we start with that. They say, "Is it going to save me? When's it going to? When am I going to have it paid off?" We tell them, "You know, two to three months, probably." Um, and then after that, ninety percent of the conversation is, "What else can I do with this information?" Actually, because no one's ever metered this before, no one's ever had high fidelity information about the way that the people in their building consume. You know, people have had occupancy numbers for a while now, and people have had building wide. Uh, energy measurements and sort of demand prediction for a while now. And there are great companies out there doing that. But the, the information that is how do people consume with the thousands of devices in a building, thats it's totally new. So um, there are even opportunities for savings that, that we haven't even seen yet.
0: It's funny you mentioned that. Like the other part of this that comes to mind is sort of uh, the invisible part. You mentioned 36% of energy is consumed by buildings completely invisible. And, yeah. And I don't think that – I mean, maybe you're, you calculated this in, but I don't think that even includes – or at least from a knowledge standpoint, when I go into our office on the weekend, the TVs and stuff are still on. And the amount right. of of wasted stuff that beyond like the major stuff, just the the little stuff, the amount of stuff that's wasted because we don't know, A, that there's a way to calculate and to, and to monitor, and B, we're not monitoring, so who cares, right? So exactly. yep. I, I think if you put if you instituted something like this in your business, like anything else, we have another company calling in uh, to talk after this who helps companies control their spending called Procureify, and it's totally unrelated to your business. But what I what I recognize in these type of programs is that if you start, you you set a baseline, and from there on, you recognize how to make that baseline go up or down you become way more aware of your right. use case. And so, like, the building itself will be more optimized, but you as the person in the office will be like, oh, man, I don't want to be that selfish person who ends up, you know, leaving all the TVs and lights on because who cares? So there's, like, a right, right. bigger impact on this in addition to just the obvious.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's really surprising. I mean, we have customers that have, um, one in particular had 40 3D printers for a co-working space. And as far as they were concerned, they were buying filament for those printers, so therefore they were needed, uh, which was a false assumption. We found that they needed six, um, so they just canceled the lease and saved tens of thousands of dollars on those 3D printers. They never would have known that. So it, there are lots of different kinds of waste, and like you mentioned with those TVs, a lot of times, you know, in these big uh, office, commercial office buildings, you've got hundreds of cubicles, and you have no way of knowing whether you need all of those, and, and that's it's kind of alarming. Um, that you know so little about the things that are used in the building, that we can reduce the the energy bill, but probably more importantly, we can improve overall um, operating efficiency.
0: So, from a from a business standpoint, I'm I, we're coming up against the clock here, but from a business standpoint, you've your tr- your contract value is up eighteen hundred percent, booked revenue twenty one thousand percent increase for last quarter. You've got forty eight thousand building uh, buildings in the sales pipeline with. More than a billion dollars in potential annual recurring revenue. If you were successful yeah. at raising this campaign, where does that money go? What do you What do you need to do to make this thing even bigger?
1: Yeah. So actually, that forty eight thousand, we just recently doubled that. Uh, okay. Last week, that's so gonna, we're that's a three <laughs> uh, billion
0: dollar opportunity now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, which is really exciting. This this round, which we will be announcing the details of at the completion of Republic. Um, that's used to build out all the bells and whistles that make scaling and installation easy. So theoretically, when we finish this round and finish a few key pieces of technology, we'll be able to scale at the rate of a SaaS platform. Um, but you know, as a as a as a hardware company, because all we'll have to do is, is ship hardware to the site. Um, so that's that's sort of, that's the goal for this
0: round. Very cool. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Uh, keep us in the know of how this is going because I'm obviously working in downtown Chicago. Uh, we see tons of buildings. I was just in one yesterday where obviously Tempest and Light Bank and Groupon, all those are headquartered, and it's a green building as well. And I just think that for all of these buildings, if they could spend less money on wasted use and more money on creating a community base there, people would enjoy their time at work more. And there's just a, a whole lot of opportunities, and we, we like to hang our hat on like these really, really robust obvious things that we could make one change here this would happen but the reality is any major yep. impactful change in the world happens one small thing at a time and you create an opportunity for businesses and and buildings themselves to be that that sort of beginning part so uh kudos to you guys where do people go to learn more about it
1: yeah uh, you can go to republic.co co slash sapient um or you can visit our website sapient.industries
0: very cool thank you so much sam thanks Chris. of course take care Alrighty, we are going to come back uh, after this break here and have, uh, this looks like, another pitch, and then we'll talk to Procurify. Welcome back to Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Catoon. Joining me on this show, Joe, the CEO of PenPel Schools. If you were listening on my Facebook page, which you probably weren't because there's only like, three people listening, no, not go Irish, Matt Furman. That's who just said, go Irish, and that's no no deal. Uh, go Marquette. Um, so we're going to have Joe on talk about PenPel Schools. I was just mentioning the fact that I, I'm going to try to not be too hard on traditional schools and traditional schooling, given all of the, the college admission stuff. And I want to focus on the positives that exist. Uh, with an example here, Joe with Pen Pal School. So Joe, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Uh, I don't even have to say it. I just said it like before, the, before we came back on the air. I have a beef with traditional education and how it's misused and sort of like we use these weird barriers to stop everyone else from being able to gain access to, to information, content, and learning, which... Um, if you're technologically savvy at all, you know that most of the content in the world is already available. So like, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of BS. Um, but to have someone who creates a place where the globe can learn and access information and more importantly, get outside of, of school politics and an agenda and actually try to solve some real-world problems, to me, is a really interesting opportunity. And so I thought it was really cool uh, when I saw what you guys were up to. And then I saw that you guys were raising on Republic, so anyone listening here can invest. You guys have raised uh, 50, a little over $50,000 so far, uh, and you've got a lot of time left, 45 days. So what I want to do is have you just give a one-minute pitch about what the problem is you're trying to solve, how you solve it, and how you make us money.
2: Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. Um, so, And we've actually we, we started the Republic, raised $50,000 there. We've raised $1.5 from a great group of investors um, and are well on our way. We've got over a quarter million students in 150 countries already on our platform and have become profitable um but putting the cart before the horse here what do we do Uh, we're solving a problem that anybody who's been through school is familiar with which is that schoolwork is boring it's not authentic and therefore not engaging right how often does a student ask why are we learning this and we're actually solving that problem and we're doing it with authenticity we are connecting students with peers around the world to learn together. They're not just memorizing facts to regurgitate them on a test. They are actually collaborating with peers around the world to use their knowledge and apply to problems and issues that are meaningful to them. So we make learning more engaging and more authentic so students are therefore more motivated and they learn better. Um, And then we make money because schools spend over $12 billion in the US alone a year on instructional materials exactly like pen pal school so there's room in their budget for us and those budgets are shifting every year more away from textbooks and more towards online instructional materials just like pen pal school so we're already profitable through that first business model alone.
0: very cool so tell me a little bit about how you got to trying to solve for this because i feel like the the position that you guys take is unique and that it's not just addressing like rant, like it's not english lit it's like solving global problems
2: yeah, so, you know, we're a learning company, and, and we mean that not only in that helping students to learn, but we are always learning, and that's my background is as a product manager. So um, what I started it to do is very different from what it does today because we've learned so much. When we started, it was about connecting kids to learn about current events and different issues. Basically, you know, I was just amazed that students are just not connected at a young age. You, you look at the thousands of ways that we as adults are connected on all our different apps well, if you're under age 13, you can't legally use Facebook or Instagram or any of these social media sites. So it just struck me as a giant you know, hole, and it was bizarre that no one else had done it before. And so we started connecting students to learn about different cultures and current events and kind of what you might think kids would talk about if you get connected. And what we quickly discovered, we went through school, so we started uh, going through schools. What teachers told us was, hey, this is amazing. Our students are really interested in this. But it's not just that they're interested in learning about different parts of the world. We are seeing their quality of their writing just go way through the roof because it's authentic. They're not just writing to their teacher, to no one, as they've been doing for their whole lives. Turns out if you give them someone real to write to, they actually care more about their writing. So teachers said, can you do more on you know civil rights? Can you do stuff on the environment? Can you do science and social studies? And then they started asking for art and math and foreign languages and so we really expanded everything that we do because we learned. We didn't just create a better way for students to learn about the world. We created a better way for students to learn in general, which is authentic connections. And that's incredibly powerful.
0: Very cool. I, I love this story. I wish we had more time for it. But traditional radio and sponsorship require that I take a commercial break. Where do people go and, uh, and learn more about Pen Pal Schools and get more, uh, get more information on what you guys are doing?
2: Yeah, uh, so our website is penpalschools.com. That's easy enough. And then uh, we have this awesome crowdfunding campaign going with a lot more details on the financial model, how we've already become profitable, and our big plans for the future. That's at republic.co slash penpal-schools. There's a little dash in there between me. Ten thousand schools.
0: Yep, and just so people know, uh, you're connected. You've connected 320,000 students over 7,000 schools and 150 companies. So you guys are going strong. Awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for taking 8, the time. Yeah, eight thousand schools John. now. Growing. Eight you're <laughs> growing while we're on the show. Nine thousand. We're right on the show. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host Scott Catoon. Fresh hot coffee now. I took a sip of the cold coffee, and that was. No point no. Uh we've got a bunch of texts from people listening to this show. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you too, Angelo. Uh, Ryan Annisberger, my guy, is watching us on the stream. I'm I'm Facebooking this right now, which is not something I usually do, but I figured I had time, so what the hell. Um it's so we've got to call in. Uh, I'm this is me shouting out in case he's listening. I'm on man. You're supposed to be calling in right now, Procurify. We'd be talking to the CEO and founder of Procurify uh, right this minute if he was listening. But he's gonna have to call in, so we'll we'll have to delay this for a second. But that's fine I can talk about the random live stream and all the text messages that I just got uh, on our on our stream here for people listening to the show via the internet apparently there's been a bunch of Trojan condom commercials which I just want to be clear those aren't mine I don't have a sponsorship relationship with what's up my man uh, with uh, with Trojan condom or any any condom or like roman or or any ed any like that's not my demographic uh and so i'm not really sure why it's been on on repeat there uh but it is hilarious nonetheless yet another reason for y'all to tune into the podcast and listen to uh you know an uninterrupted version of this show um but anyway i digress i want to we had to wrap it up really quickly so i want oh my god did i just say that what a what a pun (laughs) trojan condoms brought brought to you by we got to wrap it up really quickly Uh, what I'm getting at is pen schools, another terrible segue. I wanted to talk more with Joe about this and I'm, I'm just going to fill in some blanks here because it had to be really quick as we wrapped up for commercial. They are crushing it. 78 paying schools and districts average deal of $1,700 a year named, uh, best technology, best education technology of 2017 by Barack Obama and, and folks the year before that or two years before that, um, recognized by obama's leading social enterprise etc 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 doing a really really great job what i love about this is me both media and education one of the biggest problems that i see is the biases that i don't know i, I feel like they always existed i don't think it's new but now because of social media and because of streaming and because of all of these type of things we've gotten to a spot where like they're they're out there and they're obvious and people can share it people can experience something and be like boom that's it and the schools have kind of i guess the the veil is lifted which i think is bad in the short term because it creates sort of chaos but it's great in the long term because chaos makes you have to change whether you want to or not and i i just think politically and educationally uh and healthcare too it's time to make some things change and, and some hold some people some uh, hold some people responsible i i think that groups like pen pal schools which is just one version of one thing i think that they have a huge opportunity to not only make learning ubiquitous across the world for if not free uh, for something Uh, You know, a nominal cost, at least a place where you don't pay a half a million dollars to get your spoiled kid into a program uh, because they want to learn. There are actually people out there. It may not be uh, Aunt Becky's kid, but uh, there are people out there who go to school to actually learn. They want to try to change the world. Anyway, getting way off top. I go down rabbit holes. This This is a problem. But to get back on point... The idea that Pen Pal Schools allows people to look into and learn around and about and try to solve problems that education institutions and political institutions don't want to touch, environment as one in particular, uh, political situations, fake news as an example. Um, one of the reasons that they don't want to touch it is because it can be, how do we want to put this, um, not in their best interest financially. A lot of their boosters run major companies. That's why they have the money to put their name on buildings and buy their way in. Um, Having kids collaborate online globally to try to address human rights issues, to try to um, create robotic technology and AI, things that may not be in the best interest of whoever the benefactors are of these universities and these institutions, I think it's a good thing. I think it removes bias. I think it's like, you know, what Medium, uh, you know, set out to be the platform. Now it's sort of lost its way with this whole $5 subscription, but like the way that it came in was to disconnect the content source, the engine from the people who benefited from the loudest noises. And so someone could do their own research and write and produce and publish their findings on things based not on whether or not they've been paid for it, but rather, would it be in the best interest of you to know it? Educationally, if I am basically solely judged on whether or not I got you a job, any job, any job, versus I was benefited by making the most well-rounded, most educated person, I obviously am going to choose whichever one is going to have the most money and the most good. And if it doesn't have good, it's got money. I'm taking money. And so the idea that there's all these different programs, and and this is one of the reasons I like Coursera as an example. Coursera allows people to learn anything they want. Now, is it as good as being in the classroom? No. Is it as good as having uh, direct in-person interaction and having access to, you know, all of the fresh research? No, but the reality is the internet makes it to where the minute something's published, it's available across the globe. So you don't need to be there. What PenPel does is actually let you collect, connect and collaborate online, which I agree is not as good as in person, but it, it lets you at least compare notes and connect with individuals. I'll, I'll share a, a complete tangent story, and then we got to take a quick break here. I was talking to a couple founders, um, one of which, actually, this is a, a, great, a great timing for this because of this unfortunate, ridiculous tragedy that took place in New Zealand. A company called Aegis AI uh, was on my podcast, and Sonny, who's one of the co founder The whole point of the company is basically to create an AI over top of of video cameras that are in buildings so that if the moment someone pulls out a firearm, it immediately alerts police that there's an active shooter, tells them where they are so that they can coordinate and immediately go get them instead of walking in blind and getting getting shot. We talked about the the tragedy in Aurora here locally uh, and how this could have, if not prevented it, you really can't prevent it, but they could absolutely cut down on the response time. Okay, anyway. Sunny was having a conversation on the internet with another person who he met randomly, Ben, his co-founder, and they were collaborating on information around how could one create a, a, a software that could potentially solve or at least contribute to the solution to ending gun violence, at least mass shootings. Didn't know Ben at all. But they collaborated over shared information and ultimately have become co-founders and now in the process of raising $1.5 million to build a piece of technology that will hopefully uh, make what happened uh, yesterday not happen anymore. Um, and you know, whether they will or not is, is not the point. The point is that the opportunity would not have existed if there weren't collaborative tools online and a place for two people to meet and and compare notes. So that is the reason that I am constantly harping on the education thing. I think we've gotten to a place where the world is so spread out and everyone still knows each other and Facebook and all these social media platforms. I hate them, but I also love them because they do connect people for good, even though sometimes it's for bad. So, without uh, any any more uh, harping on this sort of thing, I, I do think that if nothing else, you should go check out PenPal and you should check out some of these other places because it's it's super interesting stuff that that we're entering into a world where an entire globe could have access to 4G phone data, Facebook, and thus have access to educational tools for nothing, for no cost, basically, which is incredible. I'm going to take a quick break, and we will be back after this, hopefully, with Amon. If not, I'm just going to keep jarring on, and you can follow me on my Facebook channel right now and be one of the only two people listening. So, I'm Scott Katoon. This is WGN Radio, AM720. Boom! Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Scott Katoon. Uh Amon, my friend, are you on the show now? Purify. Is Amon there? Do we have him? Hey, Amon, how you doing?
3: Good. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing very well. So, um... I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about Procurify because uh, we've had a couple of, of early, early stage companies call in uh, prior to your call here, and they're both in areas that um, have nothing to do with, with your business, but at the same time, model-wise and sort of value prop-wise are very in sync with your business. So to see where you guys are much further along the, the road here, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, conversation. The, the main gist of the previous callers was around... like making a better use of energy, time, and money, and particularly from a business standpoint of, like, it's one thing to, to like, have an objective or a budget. It's another thing to know where that money goes, and it's yet another thing to know which of those expenditures actually are valuable and, like, how to continue to spend not just, like, wisely, but also spend in the, you know, not not feel fearful of taking risks. Does that make sense?
3: Well, that's pretty spot on.
0: Well, if you're hiring, uh, me, would, I'm happy to join the team.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you uh, just pitched the entire company for us right there, so I appreciate that. No,
0: so t- tell me, tell me more specifically, like how I, as a business operator, um, can use can can use your business.
3: It was very interesting. I mean, you touched on you know three kind of segmentations of of spend or the idea of that, but it's really about the culture and, and at the end, Ruth, you just said it, which was take risk, but spend wisely. and it's always i I think a a crossroads between decision making and you know understanding what are the decisions you can take risks with. and so for us, you know, spend is always this enigma of like fear or you know money being spent in an organization. Like it's all it's all there's always some challenge with that or some control that has to be on that. So I think it, it just inherently uh, risk is more difficult when you're thinking about spending money. Um, so for us, we really try to accumulate that idea and really transform it into what we call spend culture. That, you know the, the culture of the organization and how they want to proceed either growth or sustainability really should define the decisions around spend and so for us uh, building a platform that allows you to kind of configure you know whatever real nature of your organization is but at the end result from the point in which you want to make a decision to when it's executed is all managed through this platform that allows you to take risks have accountability and structure that at the end of the day you know at the best feasible decision point you are you are doing your inherent best
0: so no, we really I, I focus i totally get that oh, it's yeah. like no yeah. I, I just want to like so have you read the book uh from good to great by jim collins yeah so i'm, yeah. I'm in the I'm, I'm a little bit behind the curve for whatever reason i missed that book away a ways ago um and i was in his other book flywheel and i went backwards but um okay. but I, but if anyone's listening, you should you should check out the book. It's great. One of the things that he Absolutely. talks about in the middle of it that reminds me of what you just said is so there's like the level four and the level five leader, and like there's these charismatic takeover a company and they, they just spend wildly. And for the longest time, there was no real way to prove them wrong and to say like when you take over a company you don't need to just spend wildly to make yourself look like something that you want to be. You can prove that these expenditures are good and these are not and that when you're you know, it's sort of like when you're when you're when you're having a, a, a slump You know, winning cures everything, and sometimes that gets taken too seriously. And and CEOs and leaders will just like try to spend their way out of a slump, and they don't have the numbers to know like is this a good spender? Like you can, there are all kinds of things that I feel like uh, we're just now getting into with businesses like Procurify that actually put uh, like a, a, a numerical value. To not just spend, but output, and like in that, ultimately, similar to the conversation I had with uh, with our first uh, call in Sapient, it actually has a huge impact on the way that people behave inside of the business. Yeah. talk a little bit uh, more so about the culture part of this.
3: Yes, absolutely. So, you know, today, software has changed. And, and the idea of software for internal business use, uh, you know, used to be actually really was focused on control, just because of the dynamics of, you know, the workforce and, and the hardware that was available within it. So, you know, you were stagnant at your desk, there was no mobile phones. But today, software is really about one thing, magnify the role of the individual it should be able to provide a 10x output. When you're using technology, the right software, the right system, it should magnify the individual's impact to the organization. And it's really what we focus on for the culture, is remove and eliminate the mindset of fear on decision-making and don't create bottlenecks Or, you know, what happens is if you make a mistake with spend and you have no system in place, you put a policy. And again, you make a mistake and you put another policy. And over time, you start to realize all you've created is, is this bureaucratic, fear-based system internally in your organization, where people don't make decisions, where the decision to be made takes forever. It it, it no longer provides that value of quick decision making and the impact to the organization and supporting it. It's really about all these you know, the really, really clustered in policy control, which just create bottlenecks throughout the organization. And so the culture mindset is really about not creating or inherently creating uh, the, these blockers to decision-making, but removing the, those obstacles as a leader. That's your, that is your fundamental goal is remove the obstacles for decisions to be made and obviously start learning from those decisions that continuously be made, but do not create policies because you don't have a proce- pro- proper process or system in place to manage that. Does
0: that make sense? I, I, it makes 100% sense. In fact, uh, I want to double down on it. I mean, we only have a couple minutes, so I'm going to try to make it quick and short here. But um, the 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 thing that I preach to founders all the time, and, and also large companies that we've worked with in the past, the reality is I try to get everything down to unit economics. Because if I can find yeah. the levers that I need to pull, I have as much control as I humanly can. And when I look at yeah. what you guys are doing, and you talk about the spend, I think, uh, in the culture around it, I think that there's this sort of like apprehension for people to put a valuation on not just the spend on like R and D, but like on human capital. People, you know, again alluding to the book, like people, it's not just people, it's the right people that you have on a team. And I think that you can identify, in particular using Procurify, this is one of the things I thought was a big value. I think you can identify, you know, X number of individuals, X number of teams, X number of dollars spent on these things it might be a return of 50 60 75 cents on the dollar which is not good versus other teams and other initiatives that are a dollar 30 or a dollar 40 return on every dollar spent on that employee and ultimately it helps you know not to fire but should I lend more support to this unit or should I withdraw some support or are there ways to re you know, reconfigure the seating arrangement? I don't mean literally, but like who's on which team to take the most <laughs> value. And that, that's the part that you're uncovering that I think leaders in the past had to rely on a gut check.
3: You are uh, 100% correct. So I really need to bring you on our team here because that is uh that is the the inherent truth of it. You're really not here to to manage the mistakes. You're actually here to support the confidence and the growth of your team. And understanding that every 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 decision is just a data point to make the next best decision. It's it's and so right. You're by, so right. Right. And by creating a system around that where you can centralize all that data, you can then start to make just more efficient and smart decisions for your organization to grow stronger,
0: which further proves the point why people should not be afraid of tech, the AI and all this stuff, the conversation around it's going to take our jobs. It's just not, not actually it's like not the, the best value. No. It's actually about making us better decision makers, better, stronger, faster, uh, which ultimately is good. Beautifully said. Yes, hundred um, percent
3: better decision makers. That's the point.
0: And you guys have built an awesome, uh, piece of software to, to help address that. So tell people where they can go to learn more about this and get in touch with you guys.
3: Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, you can Google Spend Culture and take your own quiz on understanding what your organization runs like, and you can at uh, com. You can also go to com and learn more about us there um and if you're ever interested in uh joining scott on your side i'd love to see you on our careers page and see if there's anything that fits your <laughs> fits your fancy <laughs> I've,
0: I've got a, quite a business going on already but i but i would uh, love to connect <laughs> with you offline about this because i'm fascinated i think when i'm done i'm gonna i'm gonna take the uh spend culture test and, and share it with people i'll put it on our facebook page at Technori and people can can check it out because I, I really do think it's a it's a hugely important part of scaling a business so i uh, thank you very much for taking the time today
3: Thank you very much, Scott. Really appreciate it, and really uh, appreciate the thoughtful questions and discussion.
0: Of course. Take care. Have a wonderful weekend.
3: You too. Thank you.
0: All righty, folks. We're going to take one more break. Come back with my good friend, Dane Neal, and hit the news.